Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Leafs Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio. Some of you may recognize me more from my on-air name as Al's brother from the television and radio show TSN's Overdrive with Hayes Noodles and the O-Dog. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. You can find the show as well on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. And you can find us and this episode and all of our other episodes on all other podcasts and streaming platforms. If you're not already subscribed, do so. That includes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, SoundCloud, you name it, you can find it. Locked on Leafs, and uh, you can also find all other Locked On podcasts as well. Uh, It's now day 19 without hockey with no end in sight. Some more updates since we last spoke with you guys last week. Uh, For example, the CHL season has officially been canceled. The draft and combine will now be pushed back, and a few more positive COVID cases around the league are being reported. And just yesterday, the Tokyo Summer Games officially pushed back to 2021 so that's probably the biggest domino to have fallen the uh, the olympic games obviously every single every every two years i get excited for it whether it's the winter or it's the summer i think the winter people get more jazzed up about here in canada because of hockey um obviously there's an issue at this current point in time about there not being any hockey at the olympics but regardless the the olympic games whether it's winter or summer is a chance to just be patriotic and, and everybody's for those two weeks are glued to their television uh, or their radio and they're just watching everything that's going on you know all the, the the races whether it's it's sprinting or it's high jump or it's long jump or shot put javelin um you know everything swimming is my favorite i don't know what your favorite is but regardless not going to see any of that this summer due to the covid19 virus uh so we're gonna have to wait another year for that um and really, as the days continue to pass on, more and more events are starting to fall. Uh, all these spring uh, spring weddings are, are being pushed back. I just got a note from a friend of mine who's supposed to get married in June, and they had to push their wedding back to September in order to be able to get uh, to do these weddings so that they can get any type of, uh, of people to come. You know, all public events in the city of Toronto canceled until June 30th. Now, there was a little bit of confusion earlier on Twitter, a lot of people assuming that that meant sporting events that's not the case because sporting events are private and uh they're they're crowd controlled i guess you could say so it's more so the parades and and festivals and all that where there's not as much crowd control all the 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 city-led public events uh let's say uh that those have now been um those have been canceled up into june 30th which means even if you know, the league were to start back up tomorrow and the Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup, there couldn't even be a parade to celebrate. After all these years, you wouldn't be able to celebrate the Leafs parade. You would have to wait until midsummer, I guess. There still would be one. It just wouldn't be uh, as soon as after winning the Cup like you had seen, you know, in, in years past, whether it was with the Raptors last year uh, in Toronto or, you know, if you're a St. Louis fan, you know, with, with the Blues Parade or whatever, usually happening just a few days after winning the Cup, wherever it's still all fresh and everybody still wants to celebrate and party. Um, that's not going to happen this year for, I don't think, any team who wins a Stanley Cup, if at all they even win a Stanley Cup, if they award a Stanley Cup, because 
But league isn't starting back up tomorrow anyways. And I'm not as convinced as some that the league finishes out the year, to be quite honest with you. And there's a lot of uncertainty in hockey right now. And, and not only in hockey, but really in the entire world. Uh, that being said, though, the news cycle hasn't completely dried up, especially in sports. Although there is you know, no on-ice action currently happening, there's still lots to talk about, lots going on off the ice. Uh, in this episode, I'm going to be dissecting some of Dubas' comments that he made today when speaking with some media members. Uh, he dished on the lease, landing a potential top Russian free agent. Uh, the development and prospectus of top prospect Nick Robertson. I'm really excited to hear what he has to say about him because I'm really, really looking forward to watching him over the next few years. We'll, uh, we'll definitely talk about that a little bit later. And then he also discussed a few lingering thoughts about the team this year, and, and we'll get into those as well. Um, also coming up on the podcast, the NHLPA released their annual players poll. So if we have time, I'll take you through that. And then some good information coming out today in today's edition of TSN's Insider Trading. So I'll touch on a couple of topics that they discussed there as well. Uh, but first and foremost, let's start with the Leafs topics and we'll do that. No, let's take a quick break and then we'll do that on the other side. All right, welcome back to the Lockdown Lease Podcast. Mike DiStefano still with you. Uh, so Kyle Dubas today decided to kind of do the media rounds. He was chatting with a bunch of media members and then went on the uh, the big networks to kind of also talk with with uh, with TSN, Sportsnet, and all that. Lots of intriguing things that he had to say. Uh, a big one that really came up and was talked about first and foremost was the intrigue and the reporting surrounding around 25-year-old winger Alex Barabanov. He's a Russian winger, 5'10", 190 pounds, from, uh, played for SKA St. Petersburg for the past couple of seasons, and reportedly as many as 20 teams have taken a peek at this player over the course of the year. Um, Darren Dreger, though, reporting that the Leafs and Coyotes are the two front runners right now, and Kyle Dubas and Barabanov's agent Dan Milstein have done some business before. Uh, Ilya Mikheyev is a Milstein guy. Uh, Korshkov uh, uh, drafted a couple years, second round pick a couple years ago, signed last year, a Milstein guy. Nikita Zaitsev, who technically didn't get the deal from Dubas, um, but with the help of Milstein, you know, they were able to facilitate this trade to Ottawa when Zaitsev asked to, to get moved. So, you know, that was really good because... It, it just shows that they have a connection. They, they do have a good working relationship there between the two, which I think uh, can only be a positive and be a benefit to the Leafs if they're really looking to bring in Alex Barabanov. You know, I, I think based on what Dubas is saying, he sounds like he could be a, a, a pretty good player. Um, it's not a little bit like he was describing kind of an Ilya Mikheyev type player, uh, a smaller playmaking winger who's physical and strong on the puck. Or maybe kind of like a Zach Hyman light esque player, uh, but Kyle Dubas did speak today, um, and here's kind of what he had to say on Alex Barabanov. I think he's a he's a, he's not tall, but a very strong uh, winger, a tremendous skill level and playmaking ability, and uh, you know we're interested in him, and I think it's it's openly out there that we're 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 gonna we're gonna compete for him. We're gonna try to um, win this recruitment and, and have him come to Toronto and. I think the thing that we're relying on there is the job that uh, we have. Our senior director of player evaluation, Jim Paliafito, is, is done um, with regards to uh, developing relationships with European players and college players, and then uh, having them be able to transition to North America uh, or be able to transition to pro hockey as as seamlessly as possible. And 
um, you know, that's that's a tribute to Jim and the work that he's done to, to build the relationship with the players and their agents and so on and so forth. But Alex would be, uh, for us, I think, a, a fit because he's a winger that's that's a high-end playmaker and has ability, but he's also very strong and, and competitive. Um, he's played in, in, at a great program in St. Petersburg. He's going to have to decide whether he wants to come to North America and he wants to, to play uh, in the NHL or remain there uh, with a great team in St. Petersburg. And if he comes here, we, we see him as uh, as somebody that could step right in and, and contribute and, and uh, make plays off the wing back to our guys in the middle or across the rink uh, to to our players that uh, that are high-end shooters. And, and uh, we like how competitive he is and how strong he is on the puck. All right, so not so bad. Uh, you know, a smaller playmaking winger who's strong on the puck. Uh, just currently looking up his elite prospects page right now. Um, so he's left-handed, but he plays on the right wing. And he did play for uh, Russia at the Olympics a couple of years ago back because he was playing in the Russian League. They were allowed they allowed their players, not the NHL, but the KHL did allow their players to go off and play. Uh, so Russia was able to play under the Olympic Athletes of Russia tag. Uh, he had two points in the six Olympic games there ended up winning gold he's a player who played in the world junior championships back in 2013-14 and uh so won bronze and did he play again at the world championships no so yeah so the 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 world juniors end up winning bronze back in 13-14 and then he's played uh, the world championships the last couple of years and you know, last season had a really good year, I think, a kind of a breakout season, uh, 46 points in 58 games, including 17 goals, and then this year, uh, a little bit worse, I would say, 20 points in 43 seasons. I'm not going to lie to you, I'm not going to pretend like I know really anything about this player, because I, I honestly, to be on, don't. Uh, I don't watch much KHL hockey, if at all. <laughs> um, if the Leafs have a really good prospect down there, and, and I hear that this this guy's playing well, I'll look up like a cut-up and, and watch a game just to kind of see the, the player himself. Uh, but when it comes to just these random free agents that pop up, you know, until they get signed, and I don't really know much about them until uh, they get signed and they start playing games, and then I kind of watch. But... For all, uh, for all I've heard, he seems like a pretty good player, and it sounds like Dubas believes that he could potentially fight for an NHL spot next season. So, you know, it's a flyer. It costs you nothing but money. Uh, I'm sure it's not going to be an overly expensive contract. It's not like he's coming in uh, as Nikita Gusev, and he's going to be requesting $4.5 million a year. You know, keep in mind, Mikheyev came in on a rookie deal, a little bit younger, a little bit more raw, but at the same time, you know, it only cost them, what was he making i think he's making under a million dollars like 925 or something like that so if he could do kind of the same thing um bring him in on a pretty cheap contract then perhaps he he'll be 26 when uh when they start next year um but perhaps uh you know it could be a decent signing at, at the very least it's a good depth um so i guess it comes down to either arizona or toronto and we'll see who he ends up picking i'm sure in the next couple of days uh We'll figure it out because Dubas is is currently talking with Dan Milstein, and I already reported earlier how much of a good rapport that they have with each other. They've done a lot of work with each other, and hopefully it turns out to be pretty good. Um, yeah, so a couple other things that Dubas discussed today um, when he was talking with the media. He discussed uh, Leafs top prospect Nick Robertson. Uh, 
you're not too sure who Nick Robertson is, I don't know, even living under a rock, because I've talked about him a lot, uh, and everybody who is associated with Leafs coverage has talked about him quite a bit, because he had a tremendous season with the Peterborough Peets, uh, second rounder from last season, um, and ended up putting uh, 50 plus goals up on the year, uh, well on his way to uh, to a pretty good season, and, and if it wasn't for the CHL season getting put to a halt, uh, he, he might have been able to make a run, um, you know, a, a member of Memorial Cup run, who knows, we will never know from now on, because obviously the season was over, uh, but he still could do it next next year too, like if he doesn't make the, the, the team, which Dubas didn't rule out, he has not ruled out Nick Robertson making the team, let's keep that in mind. He did speak about his chances, and why don't I play that audio, and uh, and then I'll kind of continue with my thoughts after that. Uh, his his mindset and his work ethic and his tenacity, James, I think, is what really fuels Nick uh, on a on a daily basis. He's uh, I, I've never really come across um, a player at that age that has that same level of focus and attention to detail every single day and getting the most out of every single day and. Not only his his attention to what he's doing when he's at the rink or at the gym, but also how focused he is on his nutrition, his sleep, and um, just making sure that his mind is always in the right spot. And I, I think you you have that mindset that takes a lot of us a long time to develop. It, it can give you the ability to take massive leaps um, when you're still playing junior. So I think you know it's it's a tribute to everything that Nick does, and I think the thing that we like most about him is that. When you ask him for feedback of where he's at, he's able to provide you with a laundry list of items that he wants to continue to improve upon. And um, I think the Peterborough Peets did an excellent job with him this year. He had, he had a great uh, start in the summer with the World Junior Summer uh, Showcase in Plymouth, and then uh, in, in the Czech Republic at the World Juniors, he just continued to get better and better. And um, his goal scoring is one thing, but it's how he's scoring the goals is the other. Not just that even strength and power play, but a lot of the penalty kill, including his fiftieth, which was shorthanded. And, so we're, we're really happy with where he's at, and, and more than anything, we really value how he feels he needs to get better at everything, and I think that's what sets him apart from other prospects at that age. Well, there you have it, right from the horse's mouth. I mean, he went on to say that he believes that if he can keep it going through the offseason and keep improving as quickly as he did through the regular season, um, he does believe that he'll have an opportunity to get himself a, a spot on the Toronto Maple Leafs next season. It's possible. I mean, it's, 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 we're getting to a point where the Maple Leafs, and especially with the unknown on what's going to happen to the NHL salary cap next season, uh, we're getting to a point here where you're going to need to have quite a few players playing at league minimum. And when you can get somebody who you think is good enough and skilled enough to play in your top nine or maybe even top six, I think that, uh, that's, that's going to be incredible. And that's kind of what you want. You know, uh, that's that's going to help make the Leafs a much more competitive team going forward if they can try and, and get as much as they can up front for as cheap as they can so that they can worry about tinkering and, and putting some more money into their back end while still getting success uh, up front with their forwards. Um, yeah, so he, he, he did say, something else that I also picked up on, which I thought was really interesting. Uh is the fact that Nick Robertson was 17 at the time of the draft. His birthday is not until September 11th, which means 
he was only five days away from being a 2020 draft pick. So he was one of the youngest players in the entire draft last year. And he went in the second round, and he's had a full year of of development. And let's say he was born just five days earlier on uh, September 16th. He would have been a 2020 draft prospect. Now, we'll, uh, we're going to have... Tony Ferrari from Dauber Prospects on the show either tomorrow or or uh, Thursday uh, or Friday sometime or uh, sometime this week. I'm hoping to get him on the show. We're still trying to work out the date there. Uh, but but I did speak to another scout and I, I asked him. I said, "Hey, if if Nick Robertson were to be in this year's draft, like if he were a 2020 prospect, where do you think he would have gone? You know, after the season that he had just had, absolutely exploding." for uh for 55 goals in a shortened season and you know just having the progression that he did from just during his 18 year and I got back oh he's he's probably a a top 15 mid-teens pick and I was like damn that's pretty good value you know you're you're talking about a top 15 pick and a pretty like a really 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 good draft I mean the first round in this draft, especially the first half of the first round in this draft, is really special. Uh, and and like I said, tomorrow we're going to have Tony Ferrari on, or in the next couple of days, and we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about this year's draft and kind of how the drafting process is being changed now for, for not only uh, scouts like Tony, but also you know people in the NHL and stuff. But you know, if if you think about it, without having a first rounder this year, they didn't even have a first rounder last year either. You know, and they're able to get themselves some pretty good talent that's considered to be top 15 worthy talent, a, a first round talent, lottery talent, late lottery pick, but a lottery talent. Um, not a bad pickup. You know, Nick Robertson is is a player that they they kind of sifted through the mud a little bit and found themselves a, a diamond in the rough. So hopefully he does keep progressing the way that it looks like he's going to. Uh, he did have a tremendous draft plus one year, and, and hopefully he can, like Dubas said, take what he learned uh, take what he learned this season into the offseason and try and build on it. And then next year come training camp or whenever it comes, <laughs> um, he might be ready to go. And he could uh, potentially fight and, and and battle and get himself a spot. He's going to be given every opportunity. I just, I strongly believe this. You know, even Dubas said he said one of the biggest mistakes that he made with Robertson was the fact that he didn't give him an opportunity this year. You know, he sent him down to uh, sent him back to the OHL really before the the preseason games even started, and he wished he gave him a game or two just to kind of. St- show him what it is to play against men in the NHL. Not that he was really going to have an opportunity to make the team, but just so that he had kind of a reference point so that he knows what uh, his game lacked at that point that he would need to get better at. Uh, and I think that hopefully he is going to be able to get a chance to uh, to do that next preseason and maybe even surprise and, and end up making the team. He's, he's He's got all the talent and all the skill in the world uh, to be an NHL, or it's it's really a a moment of uh, when, not if, for for Nick Robertson, and I think next year it's going to be a good opportunity for him to try and and get himself into the NHL uh, just a year after being drafted. Um, okay, let's take a quick break here, and then when we come back, we'll. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have time to do the players' poll, so I might save that for, for another episode later this week. 
uh, and kind of talk about that because that is quite a bit with with the on ice and the off ice poll. It's kind of funny. I also want to give my take and, and kind of give who I would have picked. Uh, so obviously for the on ice, for the off ice, I have no idea because I'm not there. <laughs> but um, so I'm, I might save that a little bit. But TSN they they put out their weekly insider trading tonight, and there was a couple of really interesting nuggets from it that I'd like to share with you. So when we come back from the break, we're gonna get into that, and uh, and I'll do that. I'll do that next. All right, and welcome back to the Locked On Leafs. Uh, Mike DiStefano still with you here. Um, so, you know, TSN, every week they put out their, their insider trading, and it's kind of with the insiders with Bob McKenzie, Darren Dreger, Pierre Lebrun, uh, and they kind of go through and they, and they discuss what they're hearing throughout the league. You know, they've got all the contacts all around the league from agents, players, GMs, um, you know, league members. They, they got everyone. They know everybody. You know, they got quite the roll of the decks. So when they're discussing something, it's usually pretty bang on. Um, so it's, 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 you know, really good talking points. Um, and there was a couple of things tonight that I kind of noticed and I was like, Hmm, I, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about this a little bit with my listeners so that they know what's going on in case they missed it. Or if they're out of, uh, out of, uh, the Canadian jurisdiction, because I know that sometimes some of those TSM videos are, are geo-locked and they don't get a chance to, to see them. So let's talk about it here. Uh, one thing that they were discussing was the contract structures and what to do with the bonuses that are scheduled to be paid out on July 1st, which is normally the start of the new league year. But if that's not the case this season and they do end up starting back up again and that gets pushed back, you know, what happens to those contracts? Do they still have to pay their players out on July 1st or, you know, what what's going to happen? And I think Darren Dreger uh, came out and he was suggesting that the league is thinking about pushing back all those July 1 bonus dates to September 1st. Um, So instead of all these players getting paid on July 1 like they're normally used to being paid and like technically they are, it's in their contract that that's when they're paid to do. um, That's not going to happen. It's going to be pushed back a couple of months because the season is going to be pushed back a couple of months. And it seems like September 1st, they're kind of aiming as that date, perhaps, to be the start of the new league year if uh, if they do end up finishing up with the 2019-2020 season, which, again, I don't have that much faith that that is going to happen at this point in time. Uh, it just doesn't seem like anyone is anywhere near ready to go back to life as we know it. Um, but you know what? It, they're all still hoping to get it done. They want to uh, award the Stanley Cup this year, but it's going to be tough. And there's so many questions that are going uh, that are going on. That and, and the thing is, a lot of it is hypotheticals because nobody knows. Not even the health experts, who are people that they're kind of listening and leaning on to make all these decisions. They're like, look, we have uh, an idea of what's going on, an idea of maybe when uh, things we can kind of stump the curb and stuff, and how to do it. But at the end of the day, you know, this this COVID-19 virus is completely new. Uh, you know, they haven't found a cure for it yet. And until that happens, there's a lot of unknown. Like there's people making their best guesstimates uh, based on some research that they've done so far. But at the end of the day, they just don't know. Um, which means the NHL and all of sports and the whole world, you know, like a lot of people aren't working right now, which is unfortunate. And they're not sure when they're going to go back to work because they're not sure when their work is going to open back up to the public. So there's just so much uncertainty going on. Uh, and, and hockey is, is no different. You know, it's, it's finally a place where, 
you know, reality has met the sports world. A lot of people leave sports, or a lot of people watch sports to get uh, out of the reality of the real world, um, and it's unfortunate that it's it's invaded sports, at, you know, as much as it has. Um, but to go back to the, the, the bonus structure, interestingly, there was, there was one team that actually this doesn't affect at all, and they have nothing to worry about because they don't have a single bonus that is structured to be paid out on July 1. That's the Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> Somehow, they uh, were able to structure all of their contracts without any of their players being able to demand a July 1 bonus, which nowadays is kind of a big thing. Um, and it's something that the Leafs, which is what I'm going to get to soon, uh, it's something that they've, because, uh, you know, in this cap era, a lot of the rich teams don't have the opportunity to kind of flex those muscles much. But there are a couple of things that they can kind of find loopholes in the CBA to try and attract other uh, players to their team. And bonus money was one of them. And the reason why that is because, you know, you can guarantee them bonuses and pay them at the start of the league year, pay them, you know, one lump sum on July 1, as opposed to dispersing their contracts throughout the year. Uh, and, and I mean, for whatever reason, that is more, uh, you know, a lot of people like that. And the Maple Leafs themselves, uh, they're number one when it comes to this bonus structure payouts. They're set to pay over $60 million in bonus money to its players uh, on July 1. Whether it's July 1 or not, whenever these bonus structures officially get paid out, the Leafs, a league-leading $60.1 million, will be out on the first day of the league year. The second uh, highest, I believe, was the Sharks at $38.5 million or something like that, so almost double is what the Leafs do. And that's kind of them, just the one benefit that they have to being a rich team. And it's going to kind of come back to bite them with all this guaranteed money going out after not making any money or potentially not even finishing out the year. And then right away, boom, you got to sign over $60 million worth of checks to your players who haven't played for months. Uh, Like Austin Matthews alone, because of the way that he structured his contract, is a $15.2 million payday coming to him on the first day of the next next league year 15.2 million dollars so that's 25 percent of the of the 60 million dollar bonus money that they got assigned to one guy austin matthews um and so that's that's gonna be it's it's it sucks you know for for mlsc to have to write all those checks after losing so much money but at the end of the day uh, it's that's business and and if you're those are kind of the risks you take when you offer up all those paydays. And then you have other players where, you know, it's the work stoppage. Um, and and a big reason why the players want the bonus money too, actually, is in case of a work stoppage, in case something like this happens, they get all their money regardless because they're paid on day one. Whereas now there's kind of a... Uh, they're in limbo because... Uh, it's, I can't remember who it was, but somebody reported that... The players could actually only end up receiving half of the money that they're allotted to because there is a technical work stoppage. And in the event of a work stoppage, there's language in all these contracts that say that the owners do not have to pay full salaries, which I, you know, would make sense. They're not working for the whole two months, last two months of the season, so they wouldn't necessarily be on the hook for that, which... That only happens if they cancel the season. If they try and go forward with a playoff run, I don't think that they'll be able to to uh, to invoke that clause in the contract, which kind of makes me think also that that could be it for the season. 
Like, it, it just in terms of the owners want to save some money. You know, MLSE, they're a bit of a richer team, so they're not going to have to really deal with that. But there's a lot of teams who do rely on some gate revenue, and they do rely on a lot of, of uh, some ad revenue, and that's just not coming right now. It's not flowing. It's not there. And if they're going to have to pay out all these contracts for nothing, uh, especially for teams who aren't going to be making the playoffs, uh, they may decide, you know what, let's just scrap this thing. Like, scrap the year. That way we don't have to affect next season either. So it's going to be interesting how they kind of end up going about uh, just the way that these contracts are structured, the, the bonus money going forward, and kind of how teams and players navigate through um, these bonuses in the coming years. And I'll be curious that when free agency does come up, how many teams will be scared to pay signing bonuses because of something like this happening again? Uh, not Maybe not this exactly, but some type of work stoppage that nobody saw coming uh, that didn't have to do with a labor dispute. But you know, obviously a labor dispute also is a couple of years away as the CBA is, is set to expire soon. Which brings me to the second point that they did bring up. Pierre Lebrun saying that this stoppage could actually potentially help bring the NHL and the NHLPA together. And I never thought of it like that, but he, he basically said, like, look, when two people go through, you know, a, a tough, and I say people, but like two organizations go through a tough thing like this together, it kind of allows you to come together and, and discuss uh, and maybe try and uh, build a bridge. Like, look, we both went through some tough times. Uh, let's let's make sure that we don't have another work stoppage because we knew how detrimental it was to the league, uh, you know, not just financially, but as, you know, for the league in itself, how detrimental it was to the sport. You know, let's try and come up with a, a contract right now. Let's try and see if we can discuss this CBA uh, and try and get something done long term. And I think that would be best case scenario if they can do that. And if they got a few months now before the, the summer, why not just sit there and try and hammer something out? Try and, and bring something good to the NHL and to the fans that they need right now. Like, okay, we're not going to finish out the rest of this season because we don't want it to affect next season. But... We do have some good news to report. There will not be a work stoppage when the CBA runs out because we've agreed to a new one. We're renewing it for another 10, 15 years or whatever they decide on, on doing it. I believe the last one was a 10-year contract um, with with like a, a potential buyout at some point. So, uh, But anyways, that's that is something that I thought was interesting. And maybe out of all the the stuff that they're going through now, that the league's going through, the fans, the players, everybody, at the end of the day, maybe this could help bridge something which will allow them to quickly, effortlessly, without a fight, um, come up with some sort of new CBA idea. Like, just, just hammer it out. Get it done. Nobody wants another work stoppage, especially... As we're going through one right now, unforcefully by anybody except Mother Nature, uh, so I think that was that was something else that really interests me. That maybe in the long run, this there's one silver lining you could find. It's that uh, this could potentially help bridge something so that there's no more uh, labor stoppage uh, in a couple of years when the CBA runs out. All right, uh, yeah, as expected, <laughs> no time to do this. Uh, to do these these player polls so we'll do those a little later in the week 
Uh, but that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. Like, Thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. Uh, if you're still looking for some new podcasts to listen to, be sure to check out the Lockdown NHL podcast. Many Lockdown hosts collaborating to provide a top-notch podcast each and every day discussing the latest and most worthy news items of the NHL day. Uh, as for us, we'll be back tomorrow or Thursday, and uh, Tony Ferrari will be back, will be with us from Dauber Prospects. So maybe if you want to, you can reach me on Twitter and send in some questions that I could ask him. Uh, if not, we'll be discussing primarily uh, what, what's going to be happening with the draft. You know, well, What does the draft process look like for a guy like you? What does it look like for the NHL? How much long-term effect is this going to have? And then we'll also take a, take a quick peek at some of the Leafs prospects uh, other than Nick Robertson, as, along with Nick Robertson, I should say, but some of the other uh, lesser-known ones and kind of get his thoughts uh, from a scout's perspective on, on some of the other lesser-known Leaf prospects. But uh, until then, we'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.